0: Hello, everyone. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith, joined by Derek Terry of the Catspaws. Derek, uh, there's a lot that's happened sort of in the last day or so. We wanted to keep the Auburn football preview all about the Auburn game, but there are two or three topics that we have to address, so we decided to give another episode.
1: Yep, you know, more bang for your buck if you're uh, a fan of us. (laughs) Um, Some interesting news and maybe somewhat surprising news regarding uh, some things that Commissioner Greg Sankey had to say. I'll let Sean introduce those topics, but talk a little football on this as it pertains to one player and also uh, a key basketball recruit. We now know a decision date.
0: Yeah, so what what Derek was was hinting to is – Dick Vitel sort of made it go kind of crazy last night when he tweeted that the NCAA cleared Olivier Sar almost two months ago, and you know that's a that's a that's a situation that Vitel's been following since May like I bet he's tweeted about it now fifty times i I've talked to him about it two or three times uh through text. So when it when it popped up, I thought it was just another one of those. It's time to for the NCAA yeah. to do their thing, Derek. But no, it, it had some more to it, and it was sort of off a report from Adam Zagoria that I think he actually wrote it Monday, the 21st. And there is an SEC rule when it comes to two-year transfers, or an SEC like I guess it's sort of like a like a thing that they have just within the league that a player that transfers as an undergraduate, they have to have two years of eligibility to be given immediate eligibility at that school. If there's one year, if they, they're required to sit out before they play that final season of eligibility. So, I know some people have replied to me in stories, what about Carrie Blackshear? Well, Carrie Blackshear was a grad transfer. It throws out everything. It's immediate eligibility. Reed Travis was a grad transfer. Uh, Davion Mintz is a grad transfer. But I didn't even know that was a rule, Derek. I I had no
1: idea either. Or a Uh, policy,
0: I guess you could say.
1: It's a strange rule, I would say, that uh, I'm trying to think of a reason why that rule would be implemented. Can you think of
0: any reason why they – The only thing that I could think of would be, I guess – well, no. I was about to say, so one team isn't stacking, but then again, what's it matter? Like – How have we not? How how has this not been talked about in the past at some point? Like, is this new?
1: Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, I I do totally believe Dick Vitale that when he says that he's been cleared for months, because I don't know if it's been this way in every case. um, But here recently, I've kind of found a new perspective that a lot of the times when people are complaining about the uh, the NCAA, maybe it's not (laughs) really the NCAA's fault. I think it's the same deal for Joey Gateway. Like, I don't think it's an NCAA issue for Joey at this point. It's it's now down to the league. But um, we'll talk about that here in a minute. But going back to Sar, the implications of that, that seems – on one hand, you would say it's worrisome because maybe it's not as cut and dry of a case as he thought. But at the same time, though, Sean, if it comes down to applying for a waiver, getting that waiver – Maybe you have to worry about the precedent you're going to set if you're the SEC, but at the same time, and maybe this is just simple-minded by me, UK is your premier basketball program in this league. If you want them to be at their best, SAR is going to need to be eligible, and I feel like just if it comes down to an SEC decision, I feel like he's going to get cleared if you get the NCAA out of the way. Does that make sense?
0: yeah I, I think it does make sense and here's the here's the rule and it at the bottom it has adopted six three nineteen ninety three so I'm assuming this thing's been around oh wow for a long time, but it also has definitely late, a
1: different uh definitely a different transfer- like transfers back then are definitely viewed different than they are now i mean that's and a the latest
0: rule. and the latest uh date it was revised was six two twenty seventeen okay so there there have been some changes but here it is this is for two-year eligibility. Uh, it says a student athlete who, upon enrollment at the certifying institution, has less than two years of eligibility remaining shall not be eligible for intercollegiate competition at a member institution until the student has fulfilled a residence requirement of one of full academic year, two full semesters at the certifying institution. But it also says a member institution may request a waiver from the conference office for a student athlete transferring from an institution discontinuing a sport, provided that the student-athlete cannot compete his or her eligibility at the institution, discontinuing the sport. So that doesn't apply here because Wake Forest still plays basketball. But that I didn't even know this was the thing. Like who thinks to look at two-year eligibility there? Wow. And then another thing too, this doesn't happen often. Most of the time it's a graduate transfer. You usually don't see a guy transfer for one season left that's an undergrad. So he left Wake Forest without his degree.
1: Right. It's uh, potentially really big news, I mean, for Kentucky because something, even on this podcast, we've probably not discussed enough. I don't want to say I'll be down on this basketball team. It's, your expectations, I think, have to change dramatically if Olivier Sar is not eligible to play this season. I mean, you, you lack a true big man that you know. You know Sar can be productive because he's proven it in a really good league in the ACC. And uh, you know I ain't putting the blame on anybody here, but Kentucky wound up in a spot this year where they had to, you know, you knew you were have to deal with something. I don't think people knew about this two-year rule. At the very least, I didn't know about it. But you knew that it was not a grad transfer where there would be, you know, no questions asked. I mean, you knew you were have to get clearance from the NCAA on this. And uh, I think Sar was worth it. Um, but now you've, you've you have kind of put all your eggs in one basket, and you're hoping he's going to be eligible. I still wouldn't say it's that it's not going to happen. I mean, I think once they apply for, I don't know. I'm sure there's some things they can do to try to get him eligible, but it seems like another wrinkle. And like you're talking about, Sean, that I mean, it's it's like new for. I mean, he's been what committed to UK since May, and
0: this is the first yeah. we're
1: hearing about this rule. So, and
0: and Cal has think come think out. I someone
1: from the NCAA or SEC might have tipped some reporter off about this. Like maybe that's the hold up. Yeah, because know. well.
0: I'm a, somebody did because the NCAA was just getting absolutely hammered with what's taking so long, what's taking so long, and all that. So somebody had to get tipped off that somebody was probably like, look, it's not the NCAA's decision anymore. The has cleared them. Yeah. But it, it's definitely – it's one of those things where it comes down to it. Here is where Sankey in the SEC office has a decision to make. Do do you say no we won't give him a waiver and now one of your stronger your strongest team in the SEC historically is less competitive because of it or do you grant the waiver and you solidify Kentucky as a probably a final four contender i mean you're hurting the league if you turn it down
1: well and the fact that it seems very widely accepted that this new one-time transfer rule is going into effect next year are you gonna strike down a waiver in the final year of what seems to be you know basically what I'm trying to say is a year from now this isn't gonna be an issue, most likely, assuming that gets passed. So I don't think you would i am not says the NCAA turned down I'm not gonna say they haven't turned down anybody because I think they have, but the NCAA itself has been very lenient since the pandemic in terms of granting waivers to players. Pretty much everybody who's transferred, I would I would guess over ninety percent, or maybe even higher. Of the folks who have put in a waiver to transfer this year have been ruled eligible, and obviously, like we just said, Sar, according to Vitel, which I, I believe to be right, he has been cleared as well by the NCAA. But like I, like you said, and like I said, if it's in the hands of Sankey, I've got to think you feel pretty good about him getting cleared just because it's in the best interest of the league. And I don't I, – and I think the way I always look at these things is, yeah, you might get some coaches or whoever complain about it, but if they were in their shoes, like, they would want the same thing for the kid. And that's why I don't think you would get a ton of pushback. And I, I mentioned earlier setting a precedent. That doesn't matter if next year it goes into the one-time transfer thing anyway. So you really wouldn't be setting a precedent because it's not going to be a longstanding rule in a year anyway.
0: And, and I'll ask you this too. If the NCAA – If they're not the ultimate deciding factor, what power do they have anymore? I mean, if it comes down and now it's a league decision, then why do we even have the NCAA? Like, what is their their impact? But Olivier Sarr is clearly the big one right now because that one immediately affects Kentucky basketball. But Mark Stoops is also waiting, to, And we've talked about this gentleman's agreement with Auburn, between Kentucky and Auburn, where Joey Gatewood won't play in the first game. Mark Stoops has never said that that's confirmed. He's never going to say that that was a thing. Uh, but you know, you and I, we've we've talked, and very solid source. We know there is a gentleman's agreement between those two. But that doesn't necessarily mean that Joey Gatewood will be eligible at Kentucky this year. And Greg Sankey this morning, Derek, he uh, was on I think it was a radio show. I think it was with Jim Dunaway of out of Birmingham, and he said regarding the transfer transferring within the SEC, that the current rule is appropriate, which means if you transfer within the SEC as an undergraduate, you have to sit out a season. So Joey Gatewood from Auburn to Kentucky, Cade Mays from Georgia to Tennessee. That doesn't sound like good news. If he thinks it's appropriate, there's no way he's going to pass off on those, right? If he he believes that that rule is appropriate, or will he pass off on that given, like you just stated, with this season Kind of being the last time we're without players having to sit out a year with the transfer.
1: Yeah, um, trying to thought how to answer this because I, I am in favor of kids being able to play. The one time rule I think is the best because if a kid makes a decision and he realizes when he gets to school after a year or so that it's not for him, I don't like. You're more or less you get punished <laughs> for leaving a school having to sit out a year. You know, if you get to another school and it doesn't work out there either and you want to transfer again, then okay, I can understand you need to sit out. But Gatewood's interesting because as much as I think kids should be able to play, his you know his waiver is not based on – and even with Cade Mays, it's different. Cade Mays, I mean, his father has a lawsuit <laughs> against the University of Georgia, whereas Gatewood, let's be honest, Gatewood left because he got beat out by Bo Nix. It's all about playing time. He, he saw the rotting on the wall. You know it wasn't a family deal, I mean, the kids from Florida, and he transferred you know even further away to go to Kentucky. Um, Stanky saying that that rule is appropriate probably doesn't lend you to feeling too strong about that and and that's probably worth pointing out. Yes, we talked about uh, that Gatewood had been cleared by the NCAA. He you know, that was pretty good pretty good source, like you said, actually a very solid source saying that there was a gentleman's agreement, but but I will say, all along, it has been, you know, we still got to hear some things from the SEC. And that was even before Stoops confirmed that the other day, that they're still waiting to hear from the SEC. So I said yesterday even, or maybe Monday, that come come next week he'd be eligible. And maybe I was wrong on that. I mean, I will have to own that. If that's the case, I, I should still see a situation, though, where uh, they do decide to clear those two guys. Maybe that's what Sankey's saying right now, as they still evaluate their, their options. My opinion Gatewood and May should both be able to play. Um, I don't know if it's Georgia doing the pushback. I don't think Auburn has any problem, especially, you know, like we talked about, if Auburn's off the schedule, I I think Auburn wouldn't mind at all if if Joey Gatewood got the chance to play at Kentucky because unless those two teams make the uh, SEC championship, they won't be seeing each other again, what, for the next 10 years? (laughs) Probably.
0: It'll be a while. But it's it's wild though how these decisions. It's more it's a two part, and you know we've we heard that from Stoops that there was another part of this that had to be decided, and it is the SEC. But of the two situations, Kentucky basketball needs Olivier Sar a heck of a lot more yes. than Kentucky football needs Joey Gatewood. And I'm not saying Joey Gatewood couldn't make an impact and help this Kentucky football team, but knowing what we know that Terry Wilson is healthy, he's the guy. And knowing what we know about Bo Allen and what we've heard about Bo Allen, I don't think it's detrimental to Kentucky football if Joey Gatewood has to sit out this season. It is significant. It is significantly detrimental to Kentucky basketball if Olivier Sar has to sit out this season. I will. I'll just go ahead and tell you: in a year where you're not going to have a lot of those non-conference fluff basketball games, this is a year where I think Kentucky basketball could significantly struggle in those early SEC games in conference play without Olivier Saar. And now I'm not saying John Calipari won't have that team ready to make a run, but Derek, it, it'll be much harder for them to do the things that Kentucky basketball wants to do without him.
1: It's not a – I mean, they're not a title contender on paper without Saar.
0: No, I don't they're think not. They
1: that they won't be a good team, that they won't have a chance, but, you you know, you don't really miss a – you don't get a guy like Saar eligible and you're having to rely on – Matter of fact, the way I think about this, Sean, they will not even really have a true five, right, without Sar, i mean Jackson I and Jackson's a
0: four. Yeah. yeah.
1: So you're going to be in a spot where almost unthinkable, to be completely honest with you, that Kentucky basketball couldn't land a – which they did land a five because they landed Sarr. But like I said earlier, you knew there were going to be – you knew it wasn't a lock that he was going to no. be eligible this year. Even if you felt good about it, you knew there was going to be a chance that he wouldn't be. And, uh, you know, I, I want to see this team play before I go off saying – that they're not going to be any good things like that. But that is a giant hole you would have on your roster that you thought SAR would fill. And like I said, if you get SAR eligible, it's going to be a different year anyway. I think there are some other teams in the SEC that are going to be pretty good. So I'm not going to say UK's a lock for the SEC championship. But knowing, you know, kind of Cal's resume would suggest that this is the kind of team by the end of the year, I think we have a pretty good chance to make a run at the final four. But if you don't have SAR, no way, in my opinion. And-
0: and two, I'm going to make this. I'm going to make this note. I think that there's a better chance for Sar to get a waiver from the SEC than there is for Joey Gatewood. And here's why: because Sar did not transfer within the SEC, I think that you could see that waiver get granted it's just because Wake Forest has offered, has helped. They've they've signed off on the waiver. The NCAA has cleared it. I could see a case where they're like, okay, this kid came from another conference. He has one year of eligibility to go we'll give him the waiver on the basketball side. But on the football side, when you look at Joey Gatewood and everything, they came from SEC school to SEC school within less than a year. I could see where that could be. And and maybe it's not fair when you look at it because obviously they're both transfers, but when you look at the situations, I could see that playing out that way. So to be
1: clear, was Cade Mays, was his, the waiver that he had that was denied, was that from the NCAA or the SEC?
0: I don't think yeah, that's don't, really been
1: cleared. That hasn't I mean, been
0: cleared at all, I don't think. I don't think there's any clarity to which one denied that.
1: They're in the, if they're in the yeah. same situation, you would think that the NCAA approved Cade, but I don't know. It's, it's strange.
0: And Cade has a very, very strange – situation yes, at Georgia. Like, it it doesn't get any, like, you'd be hard-pressed to find. there. you know, for those not listening, you know the details. Like, just touch on a little bit how weird that is.
1: You actually cut out right there for a minute, Sean. I'm sorry. I didn't hear what you asked.
0: Oh, uh, you know the details a little bit that with Cade's situation there at Georgia. Just give, like, a little 30-second thing of exactly oh, what yeah, yeah. happened at Georgia.
1: Well, Cade Mays' his father was an All-American, I believe, at Tennessee, and it was a big deal in Knoxville anyway that Cade did not follow in his father's footsteps. But um, at some kind of event, uh, I believe his father like lost part of his pinky, I believe, or at least one of his fingers, uh, with, like in a chair accident. He was like, trying to fold up a chair or whatever, and it must have been an incredible force to take a finger off. So his father is suing Georgia – for that for for the damages i assume um i don't have a lawsuit pulled up but yes like more or less that came out the day that k decided to leave georgia and it came out that his father had a lawsuit because of that it was definitely going to be a weird, weird circumstance i'm not sure how much georgia has tried to help k get eligible i just don't know enough about that case but uh Joey Gatewood's, you know, no lawsuits out against Auburn for Joey Gatewood. <laughs> so, no. uh,
0: Nobody's lost know, their finger see, at Jordan yeah. Hare or anything.
1: Yeah, no one, one's good uh, in that sense. So I, I know Tennessee is, is, and of course they would, and they push very hard for Cade to be eligible. They think it's right by the kid. I, I would tend to agree uh, with that. But uh, either way, it's, it's certainly different. And I hope that the SEC – you know, with Gatewood, perhaps it does come out next week, but, you know, the season starts Saturday. Let's, let's Whatever there is that you're, that you're deciding on, let's go ahead and figure it out so you don't really leave these kids hanging on around.
0: Yeah, it's time. It's right for the kid. It's right for the team, the families, everyone involved. Uh, but one final note here before we wrap up this episode, Derek, Sky Clark, 2022 guard, been a big topic on the show since we debuted this show in August. Uh, our guy, Corey Evans, no longer in the recruiting game. But Sky will be committing on October 22nd. He'll be deciding between Kentucky, UCLA, North Carolina, and Memphis. Uh, you look at that date. He's a 2022 recruit. He announced it on September 22nd that he'd be announcing on October 22nd. There's obviously some significance with the number 22, If just looking at that. If not, it's very ironic.
1: It is. Um I think for U.K., you'll get a pretty clear picture of how this 22 uh, recruiting class is going to go. But, uh, you know, I think North Carolina, I don't think it was any accident that um, Corey Evans put that pick in for North Carolina. He uh, To say that he still felt like U.K. was the leader in that recruitment, but to pick North Carolina tells me that he probably knew something. My crystal ball pick is still in for Kentucky. I'm thinking about changing that because I feel like, Sean, all the momentum, I think this is leading towards a Sky Clark commitment to North Carolina and a Hunter Salas commitment to Kentucky.
0: It is, and honestly it wouldn't surprise me if uh, Hunter Salas commits to Kentucky before Sky Clark ever announces he's going to North Carolina. Uh, I just think that that's sort of moving in that direction. I do think that you will have some clarity on Kentucky's 2021 class by the time the month of November gets here, you could have another name or two in their 21 class with Salas. Uh, Bryce Hopkins is still there too, and then you know Sky Clark possibly to Carolina. So it's it's going to be interesting to watch. Derek uh, should note too that it's set for tw- the 22nd of October, but things could change. You never know. Like I mean, obviously uh, there were some rumblings there that he gave a silent verbal to the UK coaching staff at one point. Uh, earlier this summer so I don't really know exactly you know what's what's happened what's going on with that situation but it, it clearly seems like the momentum has shifted to North Carolina in recent weeks.
1: Yeah and if you're UK I mean this is where UK is different than a lot of schools and this is assuming they get one or the other is you could miss out on a kid like Sky and by the rankings you're actually going to get a player who's ranked higher <laughs> who's uh, actually in this class so I'm sure in a perfect world UK would have gotten both those kids, but uh was, I, we've talked about this on the show. We devoted a, a whole episode to it that you never really felt like that was a, a real case unless Scott had decided to stay in 22. And then maybe you could still see a scenario where you landed both those commandments, but I just, I still feel like it's, it's true. Like when you already have Hickman, I don't know how much of a need Sky is to bring in for another year whenever Devin Askew is possibly going to be back as well. And if you could get a combo guard like Salas who can play off the ball and is probably more comfortable doing that because it seemed to be a big hangup that uh, with UK that maybe Sky just wanted to be a true one. So you can get a guy like Salas who, in a pinch, if you needed him to, could play point. But otherwise, he's going to be suited off the ball just fine. I think roster construction, Salas makes more sense.
0: Yeah, certainly for 21, for sure. Like you said, if if Sky were going to stay in 2022, and then who knows? Like, does he come out? Does he shock it and commit to Kentucky and say he's staying in 22? I mean, that I think that's it. Could still be on the table, Derek. I still, I, I honestly, given that situation, nothing would surprise me. Let me just say that uh, with that with that recruitment, nothing would surprise me. The only thing I think that would surprise me is if he went to Memphis or UCLA. Uh, but we just wanted to we wanted to record an episode just to give you those three topics. They sort of all came out at the same time, honestly. Uh, last night the Olivia SR stuff started coming out and then Scott Clark put his decision or commitment date on Twitter and uh, Instagram and then this morning uh Stanky's comments about the transferring within the SEC. So that it impacts Joey Gatewood and Cade Mays and some of those names. Uh, but Derek, I think overall a very solid episode. Uh, We didn't plug the Butcher's Pub early in the show, but today is still going to be Wing Wednesday at the Butcher's Pub. you got to make it out there. Uh, It's Wing Wednesday. you got all those wonderful, delicious sauces. One location in Palmville, Kentucky, one in Williamsburg, Kentucky. Get out there. Get out there tomorrow night. Watch some Thursday night NFL football. And then get out there this weekend. Watch Kentucky-Auburn at the Butcher's Pub uh, with two locations, one in Palmville, one in Williamsburg. But this has been another episode of Kentucky Daily. We'll catch you next time.